Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hey, Kalata fans, this is John Roca from Movie Talk. If you're looking for something on the cutting edge of audio entertainment, there's a new series called We're Alive Gold Rush. It's an end-of-the-world comedy adventure to recover a billion dollars in gold in the middle of the apocalypse. Crazy, right? That's just the start. This 10-part epic features familiar voices such as Christy Carlson Romano from Kim Possible. I mean, what's the sitch? And guest star Danny Trejo from Practically Everything Awesome. And some great tacos. Our very own Caitlin Bristow and more. This oral spaghetti western takes listeners across the wastelands with high-speed chase scenes, battles against the infected, horrors, heroics, love triangles, and of course, gold. Keep an eye out. I'll be dropping a trailer for the show later this week. Listen to the audio drama that started it all and be transported into the theater for the mind with We're Alive Gold Rush from Moylan Productions and Podcast One. The first episode is available now on Apple Podcasts and PodcastOne.com. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. 
participating stores. Standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Today on Collider Movie Talk, we're talking about that It Chapter 2 box office. It was incredible. Joker movie winning the Golden Lion at the Venice. And Haley Steinfeld, hey, she's going to be Kate Bishop, possibly in the MCU. We're going to talk about it all here on Collider Movie Talk. There's the logo. Like I say every time. There's the hell's going, everybody. I am still hosting a Collider Movie Talk temporarily for the lovely Perry Nemiroff, who's up there in Toronto. And guess what? She's going to get to see Joker tonight. Apparently, they're screening it, screening it at TIFF tonight. We're going to talk about that movie winning the Golden Lion Award in just a second. But first, let's meet our lovely panelists here. Coming up first, we've got Haley Fouch. Not to be confused with Haley Steinfeld. How are you, Haley? Oh, I'm good. I'm excited to navigate the Haley's because I do keep whipping my head back. What's Haley? Me? It's not me. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of Haley's on this show. It was teased by Mr. Dorian Parks, who's also right off set sending in the chat questions. But this man coming back to Movie Talk. Mark thank Ellis, you. how are you? Good to be back home. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Oh, what a guy. You know, I remember when I was hosting Movie Talk, it was oh, up boy. at the Toronto International Film Festival. Now I'm just, I'm going to see Angel Has Fallen at $2 theaters. And that's, that, that's my front runner for Oscar. Oscar. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Glory. What, what yeah. Oscar? I got Angel Has Fallen. Oh, okay. It's the movie that gave us exactly what we wanted. Gerard Bower, Nick Nolte, Best Supporting Actor. It's oh. got every category you want. Totally. Oscar Meyer, maybe the Ham uh, Award. Maybe that'll win that one. There we go. Anyway, we got some breaking news. Let's start off with this. Haley Steinfeld. Uh, it's, this is from Variety. They're reporting that possibly, exclu- they learned this exclusively from their sources, possibly she has been offered a lead role in the upcoming Hawkeye series at Disney+. Plus. Now, before you go, wait, this is movie talk. I'm bringing this up because Haley Steinfeld, if she's going to play Kate Bishop, remember we left off Avengers Endgame, it looked like Hawkeye or uh, Jeremy Renner, who was playing Hawkeye, was done possibly with it because his wife is back, his kids are back, maybe he doesn't want to do this anymore. Who's going to take over? If you watch or you read the Matt Fraction graphic novel, Kate Bishop takes over for Hawkeye. Uh, Haley, Haley Steinfeld, Haley Fouch, Haley, give me your opinions on this situation. Do you like this as a possible casting choice? And how soon do you think we'll see Kate Bishop in the MCU with Haley Steinfeld playing her? Well, going after a name like Haley Steinfeld, who has like become sort of a staple in a lot of franchises mm. and big pictures. Like, she's in everything. She's not just a franchise girl, mm-hmm. but she's had a good run lately. Certainly suggests intention to bring her in sooner than later. They didn't go after a TV name, so to speak, although those lines certainly blur more nowadays. Sure. They went after a movie star. Uh, I think it's great. She's a movie star. She's wonderful. I love her in Bumblebee. I mean, like, that's not her deepest acting, but to, to speak to, like, her ability to work with CGI and action and things like that, I, I think she's a wonderful pick. Yeah, I think this is why you cast someone like this, don't you, Mark? Because you know she's got pedigree on film. True Grit being the one that really exploded her, and then she subsequently had other roles. Plus, she's a fantastic singer. So if Hawkeye has a, has a soundtrack, <laughs> there you go. You got Haley Stanfield. And are you excited about this choice? Yeah, nothing as a criminal makes you feel better than an arrow going through your torso as somebody singing something to you. Um, I think that this could be a situation where we see her in an MCU film before we even see Hawkeye on Disney+. Plus. Because what a great way to sell your streaming service Mm. as if they need any more arrows in their quiver to be like, oh, look, and by the way, this character that we're introducing here, because we're seeing the same sort of transitional passing of the torch like what we saw with Captain America, Mm. and now that's going to be Falcon taking over that mantle. So if you have old Hawkeye passing the mantle to new Hawkeye, I mean, I'm getting like Logan vibes. Like, it is... it is really, really cool to see that this mantle is going to be passed. And I think that that would be a big selling point for phase four 
yeah. as a film goer to see a new Hawkeye and one that eh, maybe doesn't have so many punchlines. I know Hawkeye ended up being a, you know, surviving, which I didn't think he would. And yeah. now maybe he settles down with his family after they disappeared for the last five years. Sounds like the best five years I could ever have with my family. But Hawkeye, I guess he wants to hang out with his kids and his wife. And God bless him for doing it. Now it's Kate's turn. I think you're going to see it sooner rather than later on the That's big screen. That's a great point. Even think about that, introducing her in one of these films coming up uh, as kind of maybe a, an, an extra scene or something like that, and then have that parlayed into the Hawkeye series on Disney+. Plus Makes a lot of sense. If only we had some room after the movie mm. to, to tease <laughs> some <laughs> sort of new character making an appearance. If only we could pioneer that. Somewhere yeah. between the beginning and end of the credits. Yeah, right don't in make there. them stay for the whole credits, yeah. but just make them see a little mm. bit of the people who worked on the movie, and then just something I'm spitballing here. Yeah. I'm probably crazy. I don't know if that would ever work, to be honest with you. Most people leave the theater as soon as the credits I remember start, getting so, so fed up. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Oh. And they had, like, there's a post credit scene, yeah. and I heard about it afterwards. I'm like, why would they do that to me? Why wouldn't they tell me? Ushers, tell people when there's a post credit scene. That's true. They should. Well, uh, let's move on to the bottom. We'll see what happens with Haley Steinfeld. I'm excited about this. I think this is why you cast her, if they're going to close the, if they close the deal and get this done, because you want someone with pedigree to kind of shepherd you into the next phase of the MCU. She certainly won. It's going to be a lot of changes, and if you're going to make changes, you want to make changes with fantastic actors that can carry the weight of the MCU and excite a younger fan base to come see it. So, all right, let's move on to It Chapter 2. Uh, this is uh, the film that came out this weekend and pretty much ruled the box office. Now, it did come in at $91 million, which is incredible for a horror film. However, it's a little bit less than the first It film did, but no less amazing for it to come in in this way. Uh, it still fit within studio expectations, and it ranks as the second largest horror opening of all time with it being the number one it's still it is still the only horror film to ever open at 100 million over the weekend so that's pr still pretty incredible however this uh i Haley, you look at this some people are kind of downgrading this some people are elevating this where do you fall on this box office discussion do you think it should be uh kind of pillared for not getting that 123 million that it did or should it be uh, uh celebrated because it did still make 91 million dollars for a sequel to a horror film I, I would imagine that, at least at the studio, the reaction is a bit of a divide down the middle, mm. right? It's like we now have the first and second highest grossing opening horror films of all time. That's wonderful. I'm sure they were hoping it would perform close to or above the first film. Right. But that by no means makes it a failure in any way. It's, it's a huge amount of money, especially for horror that's like... It, horror is behind sort of, you know, the superheroes and space movies, one of the few genres that continues to perform at the box office, yeah. but not usually on this level. This is still extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do think that overall it's a win. It's very hard to say this is not a win for the studio, for the filmmakers. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of money, but it does, because of the expectations, have a bit of a shroud over it. Yeah. What about you, Mark? You look at this is the first it and it chapter two, the first and second largest openings, both for a horror film and the first and second largest September openings for any film of all time. This still speaks to the power of this story and Muschietti and what he was able to establish in the first film and this cast as well, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, the, the heart-wrenching story of six adults who bully a clown who just wanted to be oh. friends and occasionally gets all overzealous right. and eats one of them. But come on, I mean, we can all be oh. forgiven for that. He comes around once every 27 years, hang out with a guy, take him to a movie. A lot of people wanted to go see this movie, and with good reason. Because of the hype train built in large part because of the first It, this is right where I expected this movie to land simply because I 
I think that the word of mouth was not as positive from critics right. and advanced audience members who got to see the movie as the first one was. The first one felt like a secret phenomenon that, were, that was it's a gasket that was about to blow. And this one, I think that it would have landed around maybe $75, $80 million if not for the positive word of mouth in large part due to Bill Hader's performance. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people heard, well, it's not as good as the first one. It's a very long movie. It doesn't quite pack the scares. It's not the impact of the first one. However, man, you got to see this gem of a performance by Bill Hader, James Ransom, Jessica Chastain and company. You know, it does have a B-plus cinema score, but you bring up an interesting point, Mark. I don't have it in my notes, but this is fascinating. Would it have made more if it had been a two-hour or less horror film? I go to our horror, our co-host of The Witching Hour here, Haley Fouch. Do you think it would have made more, maybe broken the $100 million mark, or at least gotten close to the one twenty, and even got close to the one twenty three? I, I do think it would have made more. Obviously, Endgame just showed us that runtime does not hold you back from a nope. billion dollars. But uh, I think it would simply not like this isn't coming from like a horror expert perspective, just from someone who worked in theaters for mm. 10 years. There are only so many showtimes a day, only so many tickets you can sell. And unlike Endgame, they're not going to be waking up at six in the morning to open the theater to put more screenings. And right, you, know, you, right. you limit the amount of product that can be sold when you make a movie that's that long. Do you feel it's got legs, Mark? I think it doesn't have anywhere near the legs of the first one because okay. the first one ended up doing a billion dollars internationally of business. I don't think this gets close to that. I think right now it's at 185. Yeah, 185 million, million worldwide. Yeah. Um, worldwide. So I, I think it'll do more than half of what the first one mm-hmm. did. But if your expectations are to do what the first it film did, you were never going to hit that. And I think that this is a you know Force Awakens, Last Jedi situation where Last Jedi didn't have the, the quite the positive buzz word mm-hmm. of mouth that Force Awakens did, and so you saw lesser turns at the box office it was still very profitable yeah. it just did not do what the first one did i wonder if they go the avengers endgame route and release a longer version of the film and see what they could do because a lot of people's complaints were that it was too long but my complaint was that i felt it wasn't long enough because i wanted more time with the adults before they even come to dairy so for me if you add another half an hour to the movie maybe that's an in- more interesting movie kind of like i had with watchmen watchmen the original cut not that interesting when they made it the director's got a little more longer i found that film to be fascinatingly better so or more and more more interesting. I think you will find it to be fascinatingly better from the comfort of your home and your <laughs> Blu-ray player because I don't see a re-release on the book for it, Chapter 2. Uh, I maybe not exactly the way that Adventures went down, but I do. they are planning a longer version. Muschietti oh. um, has said so. He has said they have deleted scenes that they had to take out from this one that he loved, that he wants to put back in. And he also is, I believe, planning a cut, which is what I think could end up in theaters, that, that combines both films and, and goes back and forth in time the way the novel does. Like the Godfather legacy. Sure. Like that, that where, where they did that with the Godfather yeah. legacy, they released all the films. So do you get credit? Did, did both movies get credit for that 13 bucks? I guess so. Because they love touting when they re-release. Yeah. Like, hey, look at how much Star Wars is made when we re- Look at how much Avengers Endgame now would beat Avatar because we re-release it. So if you re-release both of them cut together, do both films get it? Which one gets the yeah, prize? Good, point. good question. Yeah, it's a good question. We can't answer it now. We don't have time. Let's Either way, forward. New Line wins. Yeah, true. And Very be- true. Before we move on, I do think that this box office is enough to basically cement what was kind of my fear. I don't know. They're going to make prequels. Like, that's just going to happen. Yeah. Oh, we're right. definitely they, like, finding out the origins yes. of 
Pennywise. It origins, so, something like that. Bill Skarsgård should not put down his clown mask yet. He should keep that. Uh, the, the oh, no. Hand, hand. He's said in interviews that he's yeah. down for it. He wants to. He thinks it'd be fine. Muschietti has said the same okay. thing. They're keep laying the ground. Keep stretching your eyes, Bill. Keep, yeah. keep your googly <laughs> keep eyes thing limber. going. Okay, I'm waiting for that de-aging technology. All right, let's move on to the rest of the box <laughs> office for Pennywise. Uh, Angelus Fallen came in at second. $85 million less, uh, or $86 million less than It Chapter 2 there. Uh, uh, in second place, Good Boys comes in right behind there. That's a good movie. I really enjoyed that one. The Lion King still going. Uh, almost, uh, what, what, yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. $4.3 million. And Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw getting up there at 3.8, just beating out the Christian overcomer, or uh, I'm sorry, religious overcomer that uh, has been overcoming expectations, certainly. So what film stands out for you that was a bit of a surprise? This week? If, if, uh, if it isn't any of these top five, is there another film that stands out for you all? Well, you already said it. I just think that the fact that Lion King's still in there at all is insane. Mm-hmm. That's, that's some Disney magic and or really good marketing. Okay, that, that's mind blowing. I agree with that. Angel has fallen, baby. It made his, <laughs> it made his budget back. It did. Like I didn't think London was falling was that good, and this did better than London has fallen. Mm-hmm. And it's like who saw London has fallen and was like, man, you know what? I'll give you one more crack at it. Here's fifty million bucks, and I I had a blast with Angel is Falling. It looks like a movie that you just you wait until it's available on Redbox. But yeah. this thing was it was fun, and I like when a fun movie like that or Good Boys pays off and audiences go to see it. They reward a good marketing campaign. They they reward a movie who sold them the product correctly. We knew what we were getting into with Good yeah. Boys. We knew it was kids, but it was going to be foul mouth and hilarious. And with Angel is Falling, we knew it was going to be a really dumb fun action movie. Agreed. It's a fantastic film. I love the hell out of that. Thing. Who knows? And Gerald Butler, I am one of the presidents of that fan club. Oh. I go see everything in the theater he does. I just like him. I think he's charming. I saw Hunter Killer. I saw Geostorm. I go see it all. And Angel's Fallen was definitely one okay, that I see, thoroughly enjoyed. I like him. I don't know that I'm going to like devote hours out of my day to forming mm. a fan club. Like I don't know if there if there's a Gerard Butler app. I don't yeah. know that if I'm going to get the Gerard Butler app, but I might. Yeah. If, if you as a president can sell me okay. on it, you found a way to slide it in. That's right. Uh, Dorian wanted to be talking about the Jeremy Renner app in the Haley Steinfeld story. Yeah, Jeremy Renner cannot do that app anymore. He got caught making the wrong bread, and so they took it down. <laughs> so he cannot do it anymore. I want to give a shout out to Peanut Butter Falcon. I had those two gentlemen on the Deep Cut recently. Their film did really well this weekend for an independent film. It is it's 95 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's made two point. Three million after five weeks in theaters, which is pretty good for a film of that budget and that size. So go see that thing if you haven't seen Peanut Butter Falcon. A lot of critics have thought about this film possibly as a dark horse for a Best Picture nomination. So go see this thing in theaters. All right, uh, let's move on to our next thing. We'll see what happens next week. Sorry, The Goldfinch comes out next week and Hustlers. People are going crazy for this Hustlers film. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, certainly, uh, I think it was shown at TIFF, and so yeah. we'll get some reviews. Hustlers, I think, could do big. You think so? Agree. Yeah. 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 Hard right. agree. I think it's going to overtake Goldfinch. Okay, I, won't, I have a lot. Mm, okay. Uh, next up <laughs> on the show, we'll be discussing what award Joker just won. That was the Golden Lion over at the Venice Film Festival and taking your live chat questions. But first, let's talk about some of the other cool programming that's happening here at Collider. And first up is Perry Nemiroff to tell us about the new time for Movie Talk. Hey guys, it's Perry here to let you know that Movie Talk is moving. We've had a great time in this 3 p.m. Pacific slot, but guess what? We want you to start your day with Collider Movie Talk, so we're moving. 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to get a longer show with some brand new segments. So tune in starting Monday, September 16th, 9 a.m. Pacific. See you there. 
All right, join us on September 16th, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, or PT now, Pacific Time, whatever they say. Yeah, nowadays. people used to get so mad at me when yeah. I say, it, it's, it's 9 a.m. PST, and they're yeah. like, you don't need the S. I'm like, did you need to tell me I didn't need the S? Yeah, Can I just live my life happy? Yeah, troll. people love to troll. On Twitter or in real life. That's how they are. Uh, but uh, let's move on to the rule of two as well. That's another plug here. That's today live at 5 p.m. Mark Fernandez, Mark Riley, breaking down whatever's going on in the world of Star Wars there. And one last thing that was live earlier. That's Collider Sports Time. That's right. This month, Today, we recorded a new a new live show. Me, Mark Ellis, Josh McCougar, talking about first week in NFL. Take it away, Mark. I had nothing better to do on Monday than to complain about the Washington Redskins. Really complain about the masked singer promos that I saw every five seconds. And we covered all of the games. It actually meant something with playoff teams, possibly. The Dallas Cowboys, they look good. The Patriots, <laughs> they look great. And hey, Lamar Jackson did so well that they let RG3 come in and play quarterback, and he scored a touchdown. He did, he did. We'll get to the live chat questions after this story as well. So send them in, Dorian's picking them out and send them to me. We'll discuss it all here with the panel. But first, the Joker movie, the much-discussed Joker movie that is splitting the internet in half, at least over the weekend. It did for me, uh, with people's different takes about this film and what they think might happen, what it stands for, what it symbolizes. They've talked to uh, talked about it a lot, but it just won the Golden Lion Award at the Venice Film Festival, which sparked these uh, this uproar of people saying, Saying, uh, see, it is a good movie. It might get nominated. And other people going, we don't even need this movie. All these kinds of things going on. Haley, I go to you uh, as a person who loves controversy and loves wading into it. Uh, <laughs> Haley courts controversy. Haley courts no. controversy all the time. <laughs> Haley, uh, you see this thing, Winning the Golden Lion, we're in a comic book movie. And this is not a festival that should be like discounted. Roma won best uh, the Golden Lion there last year. The Shape of Water won it uh, there. Uh, broke back mountain the wrestler lost caution so this is a festival that does not award their golden lion uh uh lightly what did you think about this well i i mean i was surprised because of all the reasons you just said mm. venice is uh you know a fancy film festival i agree it, you, i would not be surprised you know to see that happen a fantastic fest or fantasia or something like that but that definitely that's a statement that that puts a brand on the film now that says award season here we come that was already getting out there from the reactions, but now they have they have an official logo mm. to put on their posters that says we too are a fancy film. Uh, so that's cool. <laughs> I mean, it, it's gonna like you said, it's gonna be a conversation, but it yeah. definitely this does change the the trajectory of that conversation now. Yeah. What do you think, Mark? Does this excite you for the film? First off, and second of all, do you believe that this thing will be nominated and possibly win Best Picture next year at the Oscars? It means that it was a well made movie and. And okay. I enjoy watching well-made movies. I am a fan of comic book films. And this, although it's trying to separate itself from that material, I do want to see what Joaquin Phoenix does with that character. I'm actually more excited to see this film based on Robert De Niro's talk show host character than I am anything that the Joker is doing. Just because I think it's such a funny lineage from him being Rupert Pupkin, kidnapping Jerry Lewis, and now he finally gets to host a late-night talk show. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, what's the date today? Is it November? Is it's it September. Oh, it's September. <laughs> so we're talking about this movie in September winning mm-hmm. awards and getting Oscar buzz. Well, that's great. But you know what usually happens to Oscar buzz in September? It fizzles out by mid-October. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a film that comes out early October. Mm-hmm. People see it. There will still be divisiveness on Twitter. And then it peaked too early to be a front runner for Oscar glory. Well, I push back at you, you cantankerous old fool. Black Panther <laughs> came out in February and was yeah. nominated for Best Picture. So I say to you, and I'm one of these people that's on the 
front line for this thing. I think it will win Best Picture. I think it will be oh. nominated, and I think it will win. And the reason why is because I think those snobs who, who scoff at superhero movies and comic book movies being nominated for Best Pictures will talk themselves out of uh, not nominating this movie by saying it's not really a comic book movie. It's more of an art house film with an occasional comic book thing in it, but it's really an art house film about a guy fighting the systemic corruption and injustice of the institutions and all this kind of stuff, and they'll talk themselves into this thing thinking it's a 70s throwback film that should be, should win Best Picture. John, you ignorant slut. <laughs> the reason why this is not going to win Best Picture is because, yes. I'm sorry, it might be the best Joker version we've ever seen, but we've seen a lot of versions of the Joker. We know this character. We know who it is. I don't think it's cantankerous old voters that are saying, I'm not voting for a comic book movie. I just think that there is going to be another movie that comes along that is more in a lane with what the Oscars want. If the Oscars want to surprise people, mm -hmm. maybe they nominate something like Knives Out, which is getting a lot of great buzz out Fair of point. TIFF. There's movies that you, well, there's a Harriet Tubman film that's coming out later this year. You have the Irishman that could break through and continue to help Netflix legitimize themselves as a major movie studio. I don't doubt that the Joker has a chance to be nominated for Best Picture, Haley, because we have 10 possibilities. I just don't see any world where this movie wins. And again, we're all having this argument where none of us have seen mm -hmm. the film. <laughs> we are Haley? very in-depth into something we know nothing about. My favorite way to talk about controversy. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I disagree that it's too early for the conversation. I think that this is about the time that the awards conversation always starts up. Mm. It's festival season. Everyone, critics get to see the first glimpse at the movies that are going to be vying for it. I, I'm not with John on the full tilt it's going to win Best Picture Train, but I, I think it's going to be in the conversation. Mm. I think the controversy will keep it in the conversation long enough for people to keep coming back to it, and it's going to make a lot of money, so that will also keep it in the conversation. It just, it's a... Uh how about we watch the movie? <laughs> no, no, that would take precious time away oh. from us debating the merits of the film that we have not yet seen. Look, I, I just feel like, yes, of course, awards season talk starts happening now, but doesn't it seem like any movie that gets that initial push out of the gate at a film festival ends up petering out? Because Green Book played at TIFF, but it was not the buzz of TIFF last year. It was and Snyder's buzz. And Shape of Water <laughs> was something that kind of came later on mm. in the year that didn't get a release until December 2. So I think that you have a late front runner that emerges and we don't have time to debate its merits or talk about what potential controversy it could cause where we already have had ad nauseum think pieces about the Joker and films that have come out in September. So yeah. Knives Out, Thanksgiving release, everybody's loving it. Maybe that's positioned to be the Dark Horse film. That's a good point. I mean, uh, if Murder on the Orient Express can't get nominated, maybe Knives Out can as a murder mystery <laughs> there to jump to the front. But uh, once again, I, I, I know I'm crazy. I was crazy when I predicted Black Panther making $200 million opening weekend. It did that, but but then again, I predicted Aquaman at 200 and it didn't do that, but it didn't make a billion. So I just think with the Academy getting younger, the Academy becoming more diverse, the possibility of this thing being nominated and possibly winning starts to become more of a reality year by year. These comic book movies are not going away, and now they're starting to kind of veer into art house films. Logan had a little bit of that vibe. Certainly Black Panther was more about a statement about a black superhero, what that feels like to the culture, to the community. It's, you know, Speaking about uh, this idea of slave ships even in a film like this. Mm -hmm. Pretty incredible, weighty topics. Now we walk into something like this that feels like an old 70s French connection, that kind of vibe of those films. Maybe this does it. 
I feel it will, but you might, you two might be right that it won't uh, win this thing. But I just have a weird feeling like the trajectory is going forward. And I don't think it's one of those films that's going to recede into the background because the reviews on it are so high, so positive, and hardly anybody is pushing back on them. That's- I don't, I'm not saying I don't think it will. Hmm. I'm just not on your it's going to for sure train. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. I'm somewhere in between the two units of train you guys are on just going like, I'm let's see it's what happens. I'm saying it's not winning at all. Look, when John Roca gets a funny feeling, it either means he's accurate or he just ate the macro macaroni and cheese at Wood Ranch, and I think this is a situation where it's more the latter, not the former. All right. Well, we'll see. I'm certainly looking forward to it. As a white male critic, I was not allowed to go see Joker. How about you invite me, WB, next time? I would love to go see it. Uh, Maybe kind of balance the conversation You're white? I had no... Uh, You know, as a Latino male critic... I did not know John Roca was what? (laughs) What? He's a what? Uh, No, as a Latino male critic, I'd like to be invited to these things. Uh, Just a little shout-out to WB going forward. Maybe balance out the conversation. So Dorian isn't the only one taking the hits on Twitter for his opinion on the movie. Dorian, Dorian enjoyed it? I did. He did like it. He did, but people kept tagging Dorian going, no, someone of color saw it. Dorian. And he was like, I can't. That's enough already. (laughs) Uh, All right, let's move on to some uh, questions that, uh, speaking of Dorian, that Dorian picked out for us to answer. This is your live chat. We love doing this on the show. Let's run through these before we have to get out of here. Kylo Finn asks us, are you going to talk about Haley Atwell joining Mission Impossible? Uh, I would love to, but I'll break down into cold sways. I love that woman as an actress and as a person and as an entity stepping into something like Mission Impossible. I'd love to see this. How about you, Haley? Are you excited about this? It's Perfect. I love it so much. And she's wonderful. She's born to play a Mission Impossible spy and wear one of the signature Mission Impossible fancy gowns. I don't know what color they haven't used yet, but it's going to look awesome. She's going to kick someone with a high slit in her dress, and I'm going to be going, yeah, because that's what it always is. What if she's pants? And I love it. I'd be into that, I'm too. Down with that. But the, tr- the franchise yeah. tradition is always some floor-length dress, and everybody's in tuxedos, and it's great. I yep. love it. We so always hear about a casting with Mission Impossible. Like, this is the person that's going to take over the mantle from Tom Cruise. <laughs> we thought it could be Jeremy Renner. Mm. thought it could be Henry Cavill, Rebecca Fer- Ferguson teams up with Tom Cruise. So are we are we running? Are there too many good uh, operatives that we have in the well now? Is somebody going to be either a double agent? Is somebody going to double cross them? Could Haley Atwell actually end up being a villain, not a hero? Ooh, I, uh, she could go the Henry Cavill route. There's a lot of moles. It was, it was perfect. A lot of moles. Let's we'll see so if, she can, if she can top this. She could flex the guns pretty well. I feel confident about it. Yeah. She just, she has, uh, there's like this... Uh, I don't know, quality to the Mission Impossible films mm. that she, as soon as I read the headline, is like, that's a match made in heaven. Yep. It's it's a perfect casting. And I would love, I mean, I would love to believe that she's going to take over the mantle from Cruz, but I, I don't see that happening because he will never stop, Mark. Yeah, nope. just he stop doing your own stop. stunts, Tommy, for the love of God. No, we don't. Like they don't look you amazing. I, don't I, you dare. We're not going to know the difference, Tom. We're not going to know. Maybe Hard you disagree. Yeah, hard you always know the difference not, in an you're action scene. on that show. On this show, I will fight you. That's right. See, okay. Look, just keep yourself alive long <laughs> enough to finish Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Oh yeah. Stop flying uh, planes. Fair enough. <laughs> I want the USO to... hat. You say that with the USO hat on. How dare you? Yeah, because I respect the real people that can fly Whoa. planes. I, and Tom Cruise learned how to fly a plane. It looks awesome. I watched the Top Gun Maverick trailer 200 times at Comic Con. <laughs> Just please keep yourself safe for us. Oh, all right, let's move on to Steve. Steve, I appreciate that sentiment. Steve Calderon, he asks Paramount is rebooting Face Off. Which two actors would you love to cast in Face Off? 
This is tricky because I don't want them to go the same face-off route that they went with Travolta and Cage. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to see two actors who now have their moment to ham it up like their heroes back in the 90s did. So I want this to be a different film. I want this to be a little more serious. I want this to take itself seriously if you can do that with the movie whose premises were swapping faces. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, a, that's a tough call as far as casting face-off goes. Okay, I'll go since... Uh, I'd be up for yeah. Travolta and Cage again. What? <laughs> yeah. See, I'll I go the other that. way. I, I go that it's a comedy, and you cast The Rock and Kevin Hart and have them face... Oh, uh, have to switch boy. faces. Do the face app. Use the face app. A face app. Low stakes on Low that stakes. one. Low stakes. I don't... I, I could see that very much happening. Okay. It wouldn't be my, my preference. I just... I don't know. There's something so studio about that and it was a studio film but it's a really deliciously weird and and just self goofiness that i would like to see and i don't those guys are so aware of how Mm. goofy they're being i like the earnestness of it and that's you can't recapture that so that's a tall order i am not a casting person for a very good reason (laughs) because i cannot think of anything except to say no to your idea (laughs) yeah i'm also gonna nix roca's idea here's mine you need people who can play off each other well who have uh somewhat similar uh facial structures uh similar heights so Mm -hmm. i am going to take uh you need an action hard ass okay so i'm gonna take jason statham okay then you need somebody who's got some comedic chops who could start out as a villain so i'm taking jason statham and simon pegg Swap their faces. Oh, okay. A lot of comedic value would ensue there, but okay. they don't have to necessarily overham it up. I'm going to take Margot Robbie and Jamie Presley. Ooh, oh, that's it's, good. That's like, I mean, they're almost the same face anyway. I it would be it. believable. People would accept it. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying, throwing it and out there. I'm just inspired by it right now. So Bill Hader and James Ransone, they had great oh. chemistry and they're a couple of weird that old would dudes. Be great. Like it. How about Pennywise and Ronald McDonald? <laughs> Greenlit. <laughs> because, because Pennywise would look like McDonald, so the kids trust him. But he's not giving you McNuggets. He's giving you death. What about Thanos and Grimace? Thanos and Grimace could work, too, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanos and Grimace. <laughs> I am inevitable. All right. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. What, um, what, what do we got here? Jonathan Peck. Uh, in honor of his birthday, what is the funniest moment in an Adam Sandler movie? And you can't use grown-ups or grown-ups, too. I think one of the funniest lines I've ever heard in my entire life is uh, Billy Madison um, at the end when uh, Billy gives this long-winded speech that ends up going nowhere about the dog that he learned Mm. about from the book in kindergarten. And I think it's played by, is it Tim Hurley? I can't remember who plays the character, but he says, we are all now dumber. For having heard <laughs> what you said. And I just love that concept. That you can be made stupider by somebody else's idiocy. So I'm either going to go that or Norm MacDonald's line at the beginning of Billy Madison when he's laughing because they lit poop on fire. And he said, this is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> Haley, do you have a, fan, a funny line from Adam Sandler movie? Uh, I'm, I'm not the biggest Sandler stan. Oh. Sorry, guys. I do... I, I don't know about the funniest line, but I, one of my favorite moments is his uh, breakdown performance in The Wedding Singer. Yes. Which is That's classic. what I was going to say. Nice. When he just kind of just loses Loses it. his mind. Absolutely. Uh, and I will take any line in 50 First Dates when he's talking to the German trainer of the walrus because those, fu- those lines are just hilarious to me and everything he says to her. It's very funny. Uh, all right. Hi, uh, happy birthday, Jonathan Peck, from everyone here at Collider Movie Talk. Oh, it's his birthday, too? It is. Oh, it is happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday, bud. Uh, too. Who else's birthday is it? And 
Adam Sandler's birthday. Oh, is it today? I didn't know that. All right. I, I, maybe that's what Jonathan Peck meant. Oh, that's oh. in honor of his birthday. Oh, it's I thought it was Jonathan's you know, Jonathan, birthday. When your birthday rolls around, this is your happy birthday. You know, John, you know there you go. Dorian writes these. I can't read them half the time. All right, Jay Scott, for real. Uh, this is, we'll end this one. With It Chapter 2, including a cameo from The Shining, do you think Dr. Sleep might continue the trend with other Stephen King Easter eggs? Haley Fowl. Oh, I hope not. I didn't like the Shining reference in it at all. I, I just like I it, it breaks your suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. so much that it, it pulls you immediately out of whatever scene you're in, unless the film is itself meta in some way. And Doctor Sleep is already towing such a, a tricky line between King's version of the story, between the film's version of the story, between blending those two completely different stories into the sequel that King wrote like three decades later. Right. I don't think it needs any more confusion. But uh, I, I just don't like that stuff. And I know some people really enjoyed that reference. Yeah. What, what was the Stephen King movie that Idris Elba and uh, Matthew McConaughey? The, the Dark, Tower. Dark Tower. Yeah. Oh. So Dark <laughs> Tower had a lot of Stephen King nods to yeah. it. And I think that that film had those because it needed that. It <laughs> needed us to be like, yeah, wasn't that good? But did you see that? You didn't need that in It Chapter 2. Um, I don't think you're going to see anything like that in Doctor Sleep. I think this is going to take itself very, very seriously. And I'm looking forward to Doctor Sleep. Did yeah. you not like the Shining mention more or the Stephen King cameo? Because I like the Stephen King cameo. Oh, I like that. A lot of fun. Okay, spoilers. Yeah, he, the, the guy makes a cameo in the movie. Is that like? <laughs> yeah, uh, I you're guess see Stephen King in the movie, or maybe you won't. I was pro cameo, anti that specific one Shining reference. I, I agree with her. I was pro cameo. I lo- I, that cameo could have gone on 20 minutes. Yeah. I would yeah. not have cared. Yeah. I loved his accent. I loved the way it was meta and the jokes making within it. I love that. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I, I like... I don't want to see it in the, in the uh, Doctor Sleep either unless we're creating a Kingverse and that's leading <laughs> to another movie that could be connected to Doctor Sleep, then okay, make a reference to it. But Easter eggs are designed to be winks to the fans yeah. and... When you're dealing with a serious movie like Doctor Sleep, I don't want nods or cute winks at all. What other existing Stephen King property do you think best connects to The Shining and fits in that world? Mm, Tommy Knockers. Mm. All right, Tommy Knockers. Is I, I mean, let's not do the Stephen King macroverse right now because we'll be here till seven <laughs> p.m. Very true. You and know, it's just behind me. the Overlook Hotel. There's a pet cemetery. Don't let it uh, go. They do oh, have kind of similar vibes and the entities go. that corrupt the humans is all I'm saying. It's or you can do 1408 because that's also a creepy hotel. Oh, yeah. 14 is good. All right. We got to wrap this up before Adam kills me through the booth there. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching this Monday episode, live episode of Collider Movie Talk. Really appreciate you all taking the time to watch or to listen to us. It's always a blast. I want to thank Haley Fouch for stopping by. Read her stuff on the dot com all over the place. Watch her on the Collider Witching Hour. Listen to her Collider Witching Hour. Mark Ellis over there making a triumphant return back to Movie Talk. Comedy Store Thursday. Get your tickets right now on my pinned tweet. Thursday night, the world-famous Comedy Store. Lots of special guests popping in. Maybe one day I'll be in the Witching Hour. Oh, no, wait, I won't be invited because I thought the first Ouija movie was good. Oh. oh. I like the first Ooh, Ouija. That's a hot take. Yeah, I, I promote controversy, as, as John was quick to point out. So stop on by. Let's talk Ouija for an hour. Nice. All right. I'm in on the Witching Hour. There you go. Done and done. That's how you, it happens. John. We bring them all together. Uh, you can follow me at The Rogue Says on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Watching again. Thanks to Adam Smith with the booth. Thanks to Dorian Parks for the chat. And we'll talk to you tomorrow with a new episode live at 3 p.m. PT of Movie Talk. Napa know how. 
Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. Get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 Shop Black Friday with deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the big one throws, $8.49. Toastmaster small appliances are just $2.14 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday with deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Office valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.